0: This morning, uh, I was standing outside, uh, greeting people and, and talking with Mark, and and Mark said that today was his favorite holiday. Christmas is great; the Christmas season is great, but there's just something special and something exciting about Easter. And isn't that true? There's something exciting about Easter Day, Easter morning, that we wake up excited. Uh, e- even if you're a Christian or not a Christian there's something exciting about Easter. Uh, We wake up, and if you're a kid, there's Easter eggs generally hidden, maybe an Easter basket. Uh, You get to wake up and dress up and come to church. Maybe wear that dress that you bought a month or so ago that has been waiting to make its appearance on Easter Sunday. Generally, Easter Sunday is is that day in the springtime where the end of the school year seems to rapidly come right after that and we get into summer it's it, it's the start the feel of that we get to take pictures and we get to post them on our social media later and say #blessed we get to gather with family we get to sing songs we get to have easter brunch and if you're like me and you're a christian Today is the culmination of the Christian faith as we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. Uh, If you're like me, you woke up this morning with a little extra pep in your step because you knew that there was going to be exciting songs at church. There were going to be joyful songs at church that you couldn't wait to sing. You knew that church was going to be full today. You knew that there would be a little extra buzz around church here as people are excited. It's Easter. And yet the very first Easter was not exciting at all when people woke up. It was the exact opposite, actually. People didn't wake up on Easter morning with an extra pep in their step. They woke up and dragged themselves out of their bed. They didn't wake up and put on Easter dresses or their Easter best and and go to church. They woke up and put on their clothes of morning as they sat around the kitchen table wondering what was next. There wasn't a buzz in the air In fact, it felt like all the oxygen in the room had been taken out. There wasn't Easter meals or Easter brunch or Easter dinner. In fact, I'm pretty sure everyone had lost their appetite and weren't hungry at all. Nobody was going anywhere except for a few women, and they weren't going out to celebrate and rejoice. They were going out to mourn and pay their last respects to their loved one. The very first Easter morning was the exact opposite of what we experience. People were mourning. They were grieving. And that's what we saw in John chapter 11. You see, Jesus, their loved one, had died, and he didn't just die. He didn't just die unexpectedly. He first was arrested, falsely accused. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was mocked. He was spit on, he was tortured, and then he was crucified. He had nails driven through his hands and his feet, and he hung on a cross in front of the world, and he died. And once he died, they got his body into the cave that served as his tomb, and they did so before 6 p.m. when the Sabbath day started. And for the Jewish person, the Sabbath day was a day of rest and no work could be done, including preparing a body for burial. And so they they put the body in the tomb and then they have to wait. And so it's very early on that first Sunday morning, that very first Easter morning, when the women go out to the tomb. And what do they find? The body of Jesus isn't there. And so we heard in John chapter 20, Mary ran back to Peter and John to say, Jesus' body is missing. I don't know where they put him. And Peter and John, they go taking off in a foot race, get to the tomb, and they look in and they see, sure enough, his body's gone. They look around. They try to make some sense of it. But there's no body. It doesn't make sense to them. And so they go home. And that's where Mary stood. Next to the tomb. Here again what happened in John chapter 20, beginning at verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Mary's standing at the tomb. She's mourning, she's grieving, and she's desperate. Desperate to find the dead body of Jesus. Why? Jesus wasn't just anyone to Mary. Jesus literally changed Mary's life and saved it. If you read through the Gospels in Luke chapter 8, we hear that Mary Magdalene, uh, when Jesus first met her, was possessed by seven demons. And Jesus cast them out of her, literally changing her life forever. And from that moment on, Mary followed Jesus. In fact, Mary followed Jesus at some points more loyally than the disciples. Mary was at the crucifixion. Mary saw where they buried Jesus' body. Mary was up early on Easter morning to go to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body for burial. Where were the disciples in all of this? At home. Except for John. John was at the crucifixion. But all the other disciples were gone but there was mary jesus meant everything to her she loved jesus she was passionate about jesus and she was desperate to find his body but why to bring closure maybe to pay her last respects sure but think about what mary had been through this entire weekend her life imploded. Everything was out of her control. It was tossed upside down and it came crashing down as her loved one Jesus went through all that. And she was helpless. She was helpless as they arrested him. She stood watching and couldn't believe her ears as the false accusations came against Jesus. She stood helpless as she watched Jesus carry the cross up the mountain. She, she was Uh, helpless as she watched Jesus held down and nails driven through his hands and feet. She was helpless as, as she watched him dying on the cross. Everything was out of her control, except for this one thing. She had control over burying the body. She had control over preparing Jesus' body for burial. It's the least that she could do to normalize, somewhat, this weekend, to gain some kind of control over an uncontrollable weekend. And it's taken from her, as a body isn't there. She's looking for peace, looking for comfort, and some kind of control, and she's looking for the dead body of Jesus. No matter who we are at some point in our life, our world is going to crash down around us. You get the the diagnosis from the doctor. You get laid off unexpectedly. You come to school, and, and the friend that you thought was your best friend has been talking behind your back. He said, I do, but now he doesn't, and everything comes crashing down around us. In those moments... Who is it you are looking for? In those moments, what do you look to to try to gain some control over the situation because you think it's going to give you peace? For Mary, it was the dead body of Jesus. I just got to find this dead body. The irony, she feels so alone, she feels so helpless. She's so focused on on her solution to bring her peace and a little bit of comfort in the moment that who does she miss? Two angels and the living Jesus standing right next to her. Jesus actually talks to her. Who is it you're looking for? And she thinks Jesus is the enemy. Gardener, sir, if you've taken the body, tell me. I'll go get it. And isn't that so much like you and me sometimes? Sometimes when our world is upended, when when it seems like it's crashing down, Jesus is standing right in front of us and yet we think the solution is over here and we look to things that can't truly bring us peace, truly bring us hope, truly bring us comfort. We look to a quick fix instead of an eternal solution. And that's why I love what Jesus does next. Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary, She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. I absolutely love this section. Uh, for those of you that know me well, you know that I'm not an emotional guy. Uh, but it's this section when Jesus turns to her and says, Mary. That gets me almost every time. In fact, preparing all this week, reading over it and thinking about uh, this section of Scripture, every time I read that sentence, I had to stop because I get, I get choked up. Because it's this very moment that the entire narrative changes. And it's the grace of Jesus that he says, Mary. Suddenly, her mourning turns to joy. Her crying turns to excitement. She's still desperate, but no longer desperate to find the body of Jesus. She's desperate to cling to her Savior and get to him as quickly as possible. Sadness, mourning, crying, all replaced with joy, excitement, and overwhelming happiness as she clings to her Savior. And in fact, it seems like she clings to him so much that Jesus has to say, "Whoa there, (laughs) Uh, don't hold on to me. I haven't yet ascended to my Father. Instead, go to my brothers and tell that tell them that I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God." Jesus was alive. He's the living Savior who's no longer dead but alive. He has risen. He has risen indeed. And that's what Mary experienced. And it completely changed her life. She was looking in the wrong place. She was looking for a dead body, but what she really needed was the living Savior standing right before her. So again, who is it you're looking for? What do you look to when life is seemingly getting out of control? When when your sin and your guilt and your past is completely out of your control. You can't go back and change anything. Who is it you're looking to? What are you looking for? There was a question that a man named Louis B. came to find out. Louis B., I met Louis B. back when our church was in the storefront next to Smoky Moe's. And when the first day I met Louis B., I pulled up to our storefront and he's sitting outside of it and I walked up And I said, hi, I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor here. And he said, you're the pastor? Wow, I'm Louis B. And I said, good to meet you, Louis B. And he said, do you think you go next door and buy me a beer? And through talking with him, I could tell that he'd already had a couple. I said, no, I'm not going to do that, but you can come in and I'll talk to you. So he came in and, and we talked and Uh, he asked me to go next door and buy him a beer again. I said, I'm not going to do that, but I'll tell you what, you can come back on Sunday morning and we have refreshments after the service. And he showed up for the refreshments. (laughs) (laughs) But then I continued talking to Louis B., and and before you know it, Louis B. started coming, and he he walked two to three miles to get to our church one way. And so I started picking him up before the service and dropping him off after just so that he could make it there. Uh, And Louis B. knew his Bible. He knew it well. But one service, I was driving him back home, and he said, Pastor, you said something today in your sermon. And I thought, oh boy, what did I say today? <laughs> and he said, you, you said, Pastor, that we are saved by grace, and that it doesn't matter what I've done in my past or what I haven't done in my past. I, I'm saved by grace. I said, that's what the Bible says, yes. And he said, that's awesome. I said, it is awesome. You see, Louis B., even though he knew his Bible well, he knew his past well. He knew his record well. He knew how he had sinned and fallen short again and again, and it weighed on him, and he didn't know where to look. He didn't know who he was searching for until he met the living Savior. And now he's met his living Savior face-to-face where Jesus is calling him his brother every single moment of his existence. And that's true for you. Jesus knows your past. He knows how you can't go back and change anything. He knows you can't make up for your sins. And you know who else he knew that for? The disciples. What did Jesus know about his disciples? Over the last 72 hours, what was their track record? Jesus poured out his soul to them, saying, I'm about to die. And what, were the, what was the disciples' priority? To argue about which one of them was the greatest disciple. They went out to the garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus says, I'm overwhelmed. My heart is so sorrowful to the point of death. Pray for me, please. And what did the disciples decide to do? Fall asleep. Jesus gets arrested in the garden, and what do the disciples do? They take off and desert Jesus. They leave him to die alone. Peter, supposed to be his closest friend, follows along and three times denies knowing Jesus. He knew the disciples' track record, and yet, did you notice what he says to Mary? Mary, go tell those backstabbers. No. (laughs) Mary, go tell my brothers. Because what did Jesus accomplish for them at the cross? The same thing that he's accomplished for you and me, forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of all of our track record of sins that we have no control over. For all the bad things we've said, for all the things we've done, for the shameful actions we've committed, Jesus has forgiven them all. And that's what Louis B. found out, that's what the disciples found out, and that's what you and I find out today. We are searching for the living Savior, someone to erase our guilt, and that's who He is. Maybe you're looking for someone to heal you. Maybe you're looking for someone to heal your, your cancer, your, your ongoing sickness, your anxiety. Jesus can. Jesus is and he will. Before you know it, if he doesn't heal you tomorrow, in five years or ten years, before you know it, in the blink of an eye, Jesus will raise you from the dead and he will give you an immortal body that can never become sick again and that can never die. If you've experienced trauma, if you've experienced physical or emotional trauma and and you're looking for someone to heal you, your savior, your savior, can he is and he will in the blink of an eye he will restore you and renew you into a brand new body into a brand new perfect mind where you will only experience joy and love and happiness forever if you're looking for peace because you know that in the upcoming year life is going to be upended in some way shape or form there are changes coming and it scares you maybe you're looking for the living Savior. The living Jesus, whom the Bible calls the Prince of Peace, who has ascended into heaven, is sitting at the throne of God in control of all things. If you're looking for hope, maybe you're looking for the living Savior, the living Jesus, who promises that in the end he's going to raise you to life. So no matter what you've been through, no matter how dark your journey is, no matter the circumstances, there's always hope at the end because you know how your story ends. It's next to your Savior's side in heaven where he calls you his brother and his sister for eternity. Maybe you're looking for love, someone to love you consistently, unconditionally, because you're sick of riding this roller coaster of love. Maybe you're looking for the living Savior, the living Jesus, who doesn't love you based on your actions or how good you've been or how bad you've been or your personality. He loves you because he loves you, and he's proven it through his life, death, and resurrection. Who is it you're looking for? when life upends, when wor- your world crashes down around you, maybe, just maybe, you're looking for the living Savior. And I'm here to tell you today that He's risen. He's risen indeed. And so as we close up, I want to encourage you two ways. Number one, if you're here today and you're not sure about Christianity, go into it and, and, and research Look into it with an open heart and an open mind because your heart is looking for your living Savior. He is the answer to every desire, every fear, every uh, desperation, every mourning, every crying. He is the answer to it all. And if you're a Christian today, don't miss the living Savior. When our worlds come crashing down around us, let's not miss Jesus Is the eternal solution to all of our problems. He is the the living Savior, the solution to all of your fears. He is the one who is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank you for being alive, for not only dying for us, but then rising from the dead, conquering the tomb conquering death, so that death has lost its sting. It no longer has any power over us because you have proven that you have control over everything, including our greatest enemy, death. As we live in this world where, where the circumstances can be upended at any moment and we lose complete control, help us to remember that you are the risen, risen Savior who's ascended to your throne and you are in control of all things. Bring us hope, bring us peace, bring us joy, knowing that you are on your throne that you've conquered our sin and death forever. In your name we pray. Amen.